Hello, and welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW, San Francisco's oldest, most innovative local public radio station. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Philosopher's Corner, that oasis of thought. And from that oasis, it migrates to this oasis of the air, KALW, and then from the air, it migrates to to the internet via our blog, theblog.philosophytalk.org. Go check it out. Ken, our topic today is the ethics of war. Professor George Lucas from the U.S. Naval Academy will join us in a moment. First, let's set the stage and let me ask you this question. In war, you're trying to kill somebody, they're trying to kill you. It's not a very ethical situation. What is this ethics of war all about? Well, you've got a point. I mean, once you're in a war, it's kind of hard to limit kind of ethical mess of the thing. But at least leading up to the war, you can ask, should I start a war? Would I be morally justified in starting a war? I guess you've got a point. Surely starting a war is a human action, and any human action you can ask, is it right or wrong? And as far as the conduct of a war goes, there is these precedents in Nuremberg trials, uh, uh, My Lai, Abu Ghraib. We do hold people responsible for what they do in war. There's kind of a three-part uh, distinction from the just war theory, a kind of old medieval Latinate distinction. It says there are three kind of principles of justice you have to consider. Use ad bellum, that's justice leading up to the war, into the war. Use in bello, that's justice within the war. And use post bellum, that's justice after the war. And there's all kinds of ethical questions that arise at each of these stages. Well, that's a very useful distinction, Ken. And we can use that to frame our program. But, but you know, I'd like to also consider the impact that war has on the individual soldiers. I think that's often something that's not taken enough into account. Well, I think you're certainly right about that. This is not just physical impact. It's not just the loss of life or limb. It's also the enduring psychological impact. And our roving philosophical reporter, Amy Standen, went out and talked to some people about the enduring psychological impact of war. She files this report. When you are in Marine boot camp, you're never referred to as Marine because you haven't yet earned the title. You're called all sorts of awful names, maggot and all sorts of other awful names. It is only when you have achieved, when you have made that transition, when you have put behind you all the stuff from the past that you can now call yourself Marine. When we talk about whether or not war can be ethical, it's also worth asking, what about the warriors? Can a person be both moral and trained to kill at the same time? Camilo Bico was a Marine Corps officer in the Vietnam War. Today, he teaches philosophy at the School of Visual Arts in New York City. That was something that was really cherished. We thought we were truly accomplishing something when we joined that brotherhood because Marines live forever. You know, maybe individual Marines die, that's for sure, but now belonging to that brotherhood, there is a sense of immortality there, which we all, especially 18 or 19 year old kids, I mean, we're striving for that. An interesting study was done by SLA Marshall after World War II, and there's a military person too, Marshall, he wasn't a peacenik or anyone. And he found that in his survey of, of, of people who served in combat, that some 15 to 20 percent, only 15 to 20 percent of those serving in combat actually fired their weapons at the enemy, even under combat conditions. Very bizarre uh, finding. Marshall's conclusion, if I remember right, had to do with some instinctive thing that we have as human beings against killing members of our species. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. So it's very necessary then, then to destroy all that. Um, that's why boot camp is so brutal. 
That's why boot camp is such a destructive, but very successful and very proficient entity at doing what it's designed to do. And that is to destroy everything that you were before, um, removing all the values, that cherished virtues that you thought was part of who you are before, and substituting that with, uh, with those sorts of characteristics which are more fitting to, to your role and to the battlefield. Vietnam was a very strange place, I mean for us, and it was, it was almost uh, mythological. Um, we referred to the United States when we were in Vietnam as the world, as though Vietnam was not part of the world, it was somewhere else, someplace outside. Of course inhabited by entities which were not fully human, thereby enabling us to kill them with more uh, moral uh, warrant, if you will. I mean, in Vietnam, we forgot what we were doing. I wasn't sure, ever sure what we were doing. First, I thought we were just defending democracy and freedom and fighting the, 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 the evil of communism. And then I found out all we were doing was trying to stay alive. And in order to do that, we had to kill other people. I mean, it, it became a wild place. It became a place of anarchy. War inevitably does that. It removes all the stability, all the, um, the order the rules and guidelines that we think are necessary enables us to do, th do things, I think, that we wouldn't do normally. For Philosophy Talk, this is Amy Standen. To hear the rest of this program, head to philosophytalk.org. Thank you for listening. And thank you for thinking.